Welcome to Malcolm Reed's How to Barbecue Right, a podcast where we talk about barbecue, share recipes, and discuss all things delicious. And now, here's your host, Malcolm and Rochelle Reed. Hey, welcome back to the How to Barbecue Right podcast on location. We are, I'm probably blowing y'all out because I'm not used to holding this mic, but that's okay. We are down on the river at Nipissing May, the World Championship Barbecue Cooking Contest here at Tomley Park. Back again, my favorite place for a barbecue contest. And we're doing something a little different. You know, normally we're in the studio doing our podcast. But today, Shell and I are going to try to do a little Q&A podcast style. We wanted to go live. We're having some uh, internet problems. I guess there's so many people down here on the internet tubes that the live's not working. So we're still going to do some Q&A stuff, and we're just going to talk and hang out for a little bit. We're having a Bloody Mary. Uh, Shell, how are you today? Good. <laughs> Is it too early? Yeah. You got that? That's your first Bloody Mary, right? Yeah. I said this morning, like, this is a terrible idea. Why do we, every year we try to film, we try to do so much stuff while we're down here. I don't know why we do it, but. What is it, Thursday morning, 10 o'clock? Is it 10 o'clock? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 10 o'clock, Thursday morning at Memphis and May. I'm having one of these Sunday fun day Bloody Marys. And Shell's having a morning wood spicy dill. You like that morning wood? It's a good Bloody Mary mix, right, Shell? <laughs> What'd you say? It's actually your favorite, right? That's right. But uh, hey, so Tyler, you don't have, you're not mic'd up today, so you're just going to be yelling at us. I guess so. <laughs> what are we What are we talking about today? Let me give Shell the mic. She can ask some questions. I can do it too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're down here. We're live. We got an audience, which is <laughs> the problem for me. Yeah. Um. So, Malcolm, when do we start loading in? How does this whole process start? I almost wish we could do like a 360 of the booth and show everything. We might do that, do a walk around later. But so, how do, where, where does this process start? So, for us, Memphis and May actually started last Saturday. It's, um, you know, it's one of those unique contests where you show up a week before you're ever going to start cooking yeah. and you set up all your stuff. So, we. We got a 26 by 50 spot here on the river. It's like one of the bigger spots you can get at Memphis Bay. We've got a tent set up. We've got floor down. We've got our outlaw pits over here. Oh, Frank and Jesse. We've got. Uh, Is that what they're that's what I'm calling them, Frank and Jesse, the outlaws. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we've we've been here since Saturday, and yesterday is kind of friends and family day, uh, Wednesday. That's the first day the park's actually open to the public at like 3 p.m. But Thursday is actually the contest starts. Um, we have three sauce turn-ins today. We have hot wings today, and we have the turkey contest today. The turkey folks have been sponsoring Memphis and May for three or four years now. We've done it. I think we've done it every year. We've done a turkey turn-in, and uh, we yeah we've we've. We've had we've had some great uh, luck with our turkey entries here at Memphis and May, but um, so that's kind of this is this is the kickoff for us Thursday morning. Uh, it's not open to the public yet. I don't think the park opens till like eleven or eleven or twelve. Is it eleven? Tyler's saying, so we're about an hour ahead before it really starts getting busy down here. Yeah, we were down here yesterday, um, putting up tents, hanging curtains. Uh, just getting it all set up, it's a lot of work. Because, I mean, you pretty much build a little house 
down here on the river that you hang out for the weekend. It's it's kind of crazy that we put all this effort and work into it. And we don't even have one of the bigger booths, you know? Like, there's some booths out there that are three stories high. Did y'all see them coming in? Yeah. They were, uh, they were pretty cool. And we got Michael down here. This is his first year to go to Memphis May on the River. He got to come last year, but we were down in Tiger Lane. So, And I just didn't like that near as much. That was our view right now is the river last year our view was a construction site yeah was that what you would call it it wasn't very pretty this is beautiful you get the breeze you get the barges yeah you can see the bridge when i was walking in this morning i saw like the bridge in the background and the pyramid right there you could see them the sky was nice and blue weather's not too bad i'm thinking it's gonna be a good move to may it's always i mean this is the best view in barbecue as far as the contest goes. Um, you know, there's none. We've cooked a – no, no. We've cooked a lot of contests, and there's a lot of great ones out there. But what, there's something about being in Memphis, having, you know, 100 – now I think there's 140-something teams that's cut back this year. But having that many teams put good smoke in the air, filling downtown Memphis with the smell of barbecue – the river right here rolling beside us. These barges going by. It's awesome. It really is. It, it, there's nothing like it. And the weather, you never, you know, today's a beautiful day. I think we're going to have nice weather. Saturday morning might get a little sketchy. They're saying chance of rain, maybe a thunderstorm or two. What's but, hey, uh, uh, I will probably, you know, have me a Miller Lite early <laughs> and ride it out and then get ready to tell these judges about these hogs we're going to cook. <laughs> So that's that's my game plan, Tyler. Do you have any questions that we that we got prior to today on the podcast? You got something you can ask us? Yeah, sure. All right. So this is co- this is for both of you guys. Whoever wants to answer it, but what is the cr- within reason? What's the craziest Memphis and May story of past that you guys have? There are too many crazy yeah. Memphis and May stories. Yeah, that the guy getting stuck in the trailer. Like, so one, this has been like 2007, 2008. You know, we come in one night after we've been partying the night before, and somebody always locks up for us. And I open the trailer up, and as soon as I open the trailer, it's you know it's blacked out, powers off, everything. I open the trailer, and this dude just busts out of our trailer, takes out running, goes through the booth, hits the pavement on the parking, you know, on the road outside, and it's gone. And we never, never hear from him. So that was that was one that we've told before um what's what's one of the crazy ones that you can remember because of tornado we've been had to evacuate during award ceremony because of a tornado that was a couple years back Um, yeah they 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 canceled the awards yeah yeah so there is no place to go here you you just have to leave if we have to evacuate this part you just have to leave tyler there's no there's no secure area out here there's no underground bunker you can get in, yeah. I would just, I would just run to your vehicle and and pray. That's about all you can do. That's why they evacuated, is there's no safe place to be. Um, I tell you, here's a good story that I remember. We were just a few spots down, and this has been several years ago. And we're up on top. We had a two story booth that year, and we noticed something out in the river. And it's this guy. He's it's two guys. And they come swimming by everybody. I'm talking about in the water, in the river out there. And everybody started paying attention. 
everybody started paying attention and went out there and was like watching them and some people were cheering and but you just see them and then about that time you saw a, a police boat come <laughs> so they have like they actually have a coast guard here on the mississippi river and so these guys are stroking it now they're olympic style swimming down through here and we don't know what's going on we don't know if, you know you you see all types in Memphis downtown, especially, and especially at barbecue contests. The rumor I heard was that they're running from the police. <laughs> that would not surprise me in Memphis. But we had thought they had jumped in from a barbecue team, done no telling what, dare, whatever, yeah. and had jumped in the river and decided to swim south. And they were getting it. I'm talking about barge speed. These dudes were stroking. Well, they were going with the river. They were going with the river, so they had pretty good current going. And so... It wasn't five, ten minutes later, here come the Coast Guard, blue lights on. And they caught, these guys made it from here, I don't know how far to the bri- the old, we call that the old bridge. They probably made it um, down there in, I don't know, five minutes. They were past the bridge, and they caught them, and they had climbed on a barge just south of that bridge. And they came back up with them, and they put them on the bank, and they actually paraded them, like on a golf cart, police golf cart. Yeah, they were hogtied. They were hogtied and drove them by everybody. These guys got standing ovations all the way down the barbecue fest. And and that was that's one of the craziest things I've seen. Two guys swimming by the river. If you know the Mississippi River, you do not like you can sit out here and watch what floats down it. I'm talking about we've seen full, you know, hundred foot long trees float down. There might be a refrigerator float by. You never know what. There's catfish as big as a car out there. And for two people, to, or for one person to jump in it and swim, I mean, it's just, it, it blowed me away seeing somebody out there doing the breaststroke. Oh, yeah, it has to be. It has to be. So, Shell, do you want to say another crazy one you've seen? Uh, not prepared. Um, the year that we filmed with Food Network, that was, that was a good interesting. Year. That yeah. Was a good year. Really crazy, yeah, yeah. 2007. So our first year was 2006. What about our ambassador? We had a really good ambassador. When we got fired from the volunteer department. So, so this is another good one. Every team out here gets an ambassador. Yeah, and we're not naming names for the sake of not naming names because we like the guy. But we had an ambassador one year, and they're responsible for, I don't know, five to six teams, say something like that. And, and, and what an ambassador does is make sure your experience is uh, is good, I guess. You know, they want to they make sure you know your turning times. They want to make sure you got your turning boxes. If you have any questions, if you need ice, if you need um, an official for anything, you know, that, that's what your ambassador does. They're your go-between between Memphis and May and the teams. And so we had an ambassador one year that really liked us. He he hang out he hung out with us the whole contest. And this was back when we were corn out strawberries and soaking them in vodka and filling <coughs> Excuse me. We were a party team back then. Yeah. And so he poured partake or partook a little too much. Uh, and so they got to looking for him. This was on, I don't know, I think it was like the Friday of Memphis and May. It wasn't even Saturday. It was Friday morning. Now, the night before when I left, mind you, this ambassador was sitting on the curb outside our booth and was just giving everything back that he had partake of that day. 
So he had a rough day. So the next day, Friday comes on. He shows up, but he's in the floor. He's got boots on. His boots are over to the side. He is stretched out. Shell's working around him. I was trying to lay carpet for because we have to do on-site judging and get make it pretty and nice. So I was trying to lay carpet, um, and I would literally say, "Hey, you got to move over two feet," so I could lay the carpet. Roll yeah, and I'd roll him and then lay the carpet and let him roll him back and then lay the other piece. And so they got to looking for him because he's responsible for other teams too. It's not just hanging out with us that his job was. Now, so. I guess teams get to call in Memphis and May looking for their ambassadors, saying he hadn't showed up, hadn't brought their turn-in boxes, all the good stuff. Yeah. And up. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, this Bloody Mary's getting me. But all the good stuff that you're supposed to do, the ambassador was not doing. He was having too good a time. And so later that afternoon, he came back, and he wasn't looking so happy. He kind of had a, a frown on his face. They had terminated him from his – Volunteer job. Now, if you've ever known a volunteer to get fired, that happened with us. <laughs> they uninvited him to come back to be a, an ambassador for teams. But you know what we did? We made him a member of Killer Hogs, and he partied with us every year after. <laughs> That's actually true. Yeah, we did. <laughs> All right, let's move on a little bit and switch gears here. So I know we're cooking whole hog, and this is my first year cooking whole hog with y'all. When was the last time y'all cooked whole hog? And then are y'all excited to cook whole hog this year? Oh, that is a good one. Yeah, it's been, wow, I don't even remember. Because we went from ribs to whole hog. Yeah, I would say and so we, yeah, so it's, it's probably been 12, 13 years since we've cooked a whole hog at Memphis and May. We decided to go back this year because uh, Jay from Outlaw Pits was wanting to work on these new hog pits that are actually stick burner pits. And we cooked. We had a chance to cook on one of his prototype pits, and we loved the flavor of the hog so much. I said, "Hey, we got a chance with this hog at Memphis and May if we can just dial it in." And so that's what we spent the last year doing. And so that's it's. Uh, we're really excited to be cooking on something different out here that's not been done before. And you know, we're, talk about that a little bit. What do you mean it's not been done before? Well, as as far as I know, no one's cooked on um, a stick burner pit that had the option to put the coals underneath the hog to get the shoulders, to get the hams uh, cooked at the proper temperature to where you don't overcook the loin. Well, That's the big thing with these out, with these new uh, outlaws. Well, then i got a follow-up question. Is there a smoker similar or anything like that at So the closest thing that I've seen to the flavor that we're getting on these pits are, are the drum smokers. And that's what Blues Hog won on last year. And they're, they're bringing a new big drum out here this year, too. But it's not a, a stick-burner pit. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there's other stick-burners that have been cooked on. They just – I haven't seen um, the capability of being able to put – move your charcoal around underneath that hog the way you can on these pits. That's what makes them unique. So you get that top airflow from the actual firebox, from, you know, from your heat chamber – and then you're also catching the, the uh, burning down the embers underneath it in baskets and then moving those baskets underneath where they should go as needed, underneath the shoulders and hogs, and being able to let those juices drip down out of that hog over hot coals while it's on a stick burner. That's what's so unique about them. All right, so we see these Bloody Marys out in front of y'all. So I want both of y'all to tell me, what is your favorite Bloody Mary recipe? Like, what is your go-to? 
Cheryl go first. Um, it's pretty easy. Uh, Morningwood, vodka, Tito's is the go-to. Um, hand me that. Prime beef. It's a it's Mark and Jamie's uh, Swine Life's uh, beef rub, but I don't know if it's because it's got like a mushroomy. It's real umami, yeah, and it just and it's got some kick to it, a good kick to it. So to me, it's like the perfect Bloody Mary seasoning. Kick it up a little bit. I mean, the morning one's pretty good. It doesn't need much on its own, but this really just wakes it up a little bit. And I'll put this in any Bloody Mary, no matter what the mix. Then you got to have a little pickle juice. Let me see the pickles. And Malcolm likes a lot of pickle juice, and I like less, a little, yeah, a little less. But the hot deals that we have are pretty good. Cause, yeah. Um, and, you know, sometimes we put hot sauce in it, but we didn't today. We didn't have the hot sauce, but it's a spicy Bloody Mary. It's a kicked up spicy Bloody Mary, but it's, you got the salty, you got to have saltiness in a Bloody Mary to me. You got to have a lot of savory stuff. So that's what I, that's so I look at Bloody Mary as my first meal of the day. It's a liquid meal. And, you know, of course, it, a Bloody Mary to me has to have vodka in it. I'm a Tito's man, but I'm not part. You know, if there's if there's something else out there, I will put that in my Bloody Mary. But um, I like the Chicago-style Bloody Mary, and it's almost like a kitchen sink Bloody Mary. So it's okay to start with any kind of – Store-bought mix that you have, uh, you know, Zing Zang's kind of one that, that everybody knows. It's a go-to. It's If you've been to, yeah, yeah. you know, just about any bar has a bottle of Zing Zang they're making Bloody Mary's with. Would you say that's your best store-bought? Like, I mean, that you can find just about anywhere, Zing Zang's probably yeah. your go-to. It's your standard. Yeah. Uh, after that, I like I always like to add cracked black pepper, uh, a little salt, a little cayenne. So you got to have, and that's where the beef rub comes in. It's got all those elements in it. Uh, so some seasoning in it that goes in. Um, usually, I, here's how I started. I start with a cup of ice, and then I add my vodka. Then I add my dry seasoning, and then I add my liquid. So usually, I go with a tablespoon of pickle juice. If I have olive juice, I'll put a tablespoon of olive juice. Do I'll do both. I like it. I like both. I like hot sauce. Then I come with my Bloody Mary mix, whatever it is, whether it's morning wood. Whether it's Sunday Fun Day, whether it's Zing Zang, whether it's Spicy V8, I put the tomato juice element in there. Um, usually I uh, fortify that with a little bit of horseradish if I have it. That's a Chicago Bloody Mary style. They'll put like, you know, a little half teaspoon of, oh, it's so good in a Bloody Mary. It, yes, it's so good. I like a splash of beer. Yeah, you can taste a little bit of it, a little bit. I like a splash of beer in my Bloody Mary. I think it rounds it out, mellows it out. It gives it a little fizz. And then... And then I, you know, it's all about the garnish. So the, today, since we're out here in the park, I just went with a pickle. But normally I'll put a pickle spear, some pickled okra, some green beans, maybe a skewer with some sausage and cheese on it, maybe a shrimp. You know, the sky's the limit on what you can garnish a Bloody Mary with. But you got to have all those. Oh, I forgot the Worcestershire sauce. I also put Liam Barron's. What we got going on? Brisket? Yeah, brisket's going on in the pit right now. I was going to say turn the camera, but, yeah. Can't turn it. Can't turn it. It's fixed. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, oh, you got him on? Um, so another question. So this week we released a video, Fall Off the Bone Ribs, right? Um, can you tell me a little bit about the recipe and just, like, when's your go-to 
When do you make fall off the bone ribs, first of all? So fall off the bone. Are Are you expecting to get a lot of hate or controversy for making a fall off the bone rib recipe? I think I'm going to get a lot of love for fall off the bone ribs. Who doesn't like a fall off the bone rib? Will it win you a contest? Absolutely not. According to judging standards, falling off the bone means it's overcooked. But man, there's something about taking a big old slab of pork ribs, cooking it to where all that fat kind of melts and is juicy and lets go of that bone. And then when you pull it off, you don't even have to have teeth to gnaw it off. It just jumps off. Those are good ribs. Uh, I feel like... Did I turn that off? Um, I feel like uh, the ribs that you cook that are fall off the bone aren't like shredded. You know like how you can take them too far and it's almost like, like Tyler calls it pulled pork or whatever. You don't take them that far. You take them to a point where it's like they're tender and they're still juicy. Can you make a dry rib? Like a dry rib, dry it out completely. Oh, yeah. So you can definitely overcook a rib. Yeah. I mean, you'll cook them to where there's no bones left. Like you know, they're you pick them up and the bones are on the table, and that's or you know, it pulled pork like you were talking about. They're dry, they're mushy, they have no juice in them. That's see, that's not the same thing as a fall off. To me, a fall off the bone rib, you can still pick it up, but it's hanging. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a fine line, and that's when I say in that recipe. So you cook ribs just like any time. It's all to, to make them fall off the bone. Just means you cook them in the wrap a little bit longer to get them tender. And so, it, and usually it's between two hundred ten to two hundred fifteen degrees. That's your fall off the bone. Anything over two fifteen, they're going to get that weird texture. They're going to be the bones are going to be left in the foil, and you're just going to have a pile of meat. So you don't want that. You want you know you want some integrity to them, but you don't want to have to fight them. You don't want to have to use a knife and a fork to eat them. You want to be able to take it and just pull the meat off the bone. It melts in your mouth when you eat it. That's the fall off the bone that everybody wants to eat. So it's not just overcooked mush. You know, it, it actually has some integrity to it. It's just they're super tender. And so that that's one thing that I think that, you know, people talk about falling off the bone. That's kind of a marketing thing. Really, it should be the ultimately tender rib that just don't want to be on the bone. You know, I wouldn't call them falling the bone. It's just super tender. I really like that. Yeah, I want to change the title now. These aren't falling off the bone ribs. These are just don't want to be on the ready to jump off. All right, man. So tell me in a day of Memphis in May, like what does your drinking schedule look like? Do you start in the morning? I know you start in the morning with Bloody Marys. Okay, well, we can we can move we can pass that one. That's fine. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Memphis in May is a marathon. It's not a. It's not a sprint. Yeah, I might have a Bloody Mary in the morning, but I'm going. You know, I'm not just going to pound beer and pound drinks all day till you know. We got to make it out here till you know ten eleven o'clock tonight. So there is no way that you know a normal human being. <laughs> you're not going to make it that long, Shell. But so it's not just like one right after the other. It's you know. We're going to have two or three waters. We're going to have a beer. We'll have two or three waters. We're going to go see some people and talk. You know, you may have a cocktail with your buddy next door, but it's not. Yeah, somebody might, you know, but it's not like you're sitting at a bar and just drink after drink after drink after drink. You never make it out here. There's In your younger years, was it a different story, though? Oh, yeah. I could, I could, make, it, I could make it for three days like that. 
in my younger days. I'm, I'm playing old man barbecue now. Yeah. Hey, you didn't ask me the, the circa 2006, Malcolm. That one, that guy started on Saturday when we loaded in. He just went for a full week every day. No hangovers. There's no such thing. Yeah, yeah. You didn't have to take vitamins and, 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 and prep up and take fiber. Yeah. <laughs> Drink Pedialyte. No. It was just <laughs> it was just go get the who's good in the next keg. Yeah. All right, so this question is for both y'all, but specifically Shell, I think would have the best answers for this one. Uh, what kind of applications do we see with blue plate mayonnaise at the Killer Hogs tent at Memphis in May? <laughs> it is a perfect time to remind everyone that uh, blue plate is the world's best mayonnaise. Um. So we've got hot dogs, pulled pork sandwiches, bologna sandwiches, smoked bologna sandwiches, and that's about, yeah, 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 you can use it as a binder. Um, Mikey's, oh, I'm pretty sure it is in the turkey dish, because, yeah, Mikey's, oh, Mikey's using it to, uh, speaking of binders, he's using it for his hot wings. Hot, hot wings? Yeah. <laughs> um, buffalo is probably going in the buffalo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, this is a good question. Do you put mayonnaise on a pulled pork sandwich? Absolutely not. <laughs> but you put coleslaw on a barbecue sandwich, correct? I do. I do like blue plate coal, blue plate coleslaw. That's that's a necessity. But I do not smear mayonnaise and then put pulled pork on it. Now it's in the white sauce, and sometimes, occasionally, I will put white sauce on pulled pork. It's really, really good. But I don't. To me, a bar uh, the perfect. So the perfect pulled pork sandwich to me is just deliciously smoked, slow smoke hickory wood. Pork shoulder, piled high on a bun, and all it needs is hot sauce. No barbecue sauce, no you know sweet anything. I'm talking hot sauce like my Killer Hogs hot sauce or Frank's or you know uh, Texas Peach or Tabasco. Just a good hot sauce because that vinegar element and the salt plays with that pulled pork and a little bit of heat. That's 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 how I like it. Bun pulled pork hot sauce. You had one sauce that you really, really liked, and I, I always thought it was so cool. It was like in a squeezy plastic bottle that you kept in the fridge. Alabama. Was it Alabama? Do you know what I'm talking about? Fix and talk about. But it was mostly vinegar, or was it mostly hot sauce? And then at the very, it said like, if you don't want it hot, just squirt it out. If you want it medium, shake it a little bit. If you want it really hot, shake it a lot. Yep, that's it. That yeah. And I, I, I think I still have. We'll talk about this when we get back. When we get back to the studio, I don't have time to go home and look the name of that hot yeah. sauce up because I'm about at uh, I'm about out of it. Yeah. And my buddy Steve gets that to me when he goes back to Muscle Shoals. He's from Muscle Shoals, and he brings it from somewhere over there. I need to find out where he gets it, but it's on the label. It's not something that you could commercially buy unless you go to like Alabama and get it. But it is, um, it's really like a take on uh, Carolina style vinegar sauce. Where it's just salt, uh, vinegar, cayenne pepper, and I don't think there's and lemon juice. I think that's the fourth thing. There's four things in this sauce. 
No, no, no. It's it's yeah, it, but the pepper and the salt kind of settle in the bottom of it when you put it in your refrigerator. So it looks like it settles out. It's not in solution. And so that's why if you just tilt it over and sprinkle it on, you're just getting kind of a mild vinegar flavor that acidic cuts the fat in the pork. It goes great with it. If you shake it up a little bit, you start getting some of the salt and a little bit of the heat. But if you shake it and shake it and shake it and really mix it, you get all of it, and it'll light you up. And that's the way a really good Carolina-style vinegar sauce should do. Now, our vinegar sauce, and, you know, I, I love a good vinegar sauce, but our vinegar sauce is kind of balanced because we have that Tennessee influence. You know, we're right here in the Memphis area. We've got the sweetness, a little bit of the, you know, a little bit of the ketchup in it just to thin it down. It's still a really thin sauce, and it's really vinegar-based, but it has a more of a balance. It's not just a harsh, like, vinegar salt. And pepper, you know, that's that's the traditional way. All right, so I thought this was a good question because this is kind of some insight. I know you recently got a Weber griddle. Um, so somebody's looking for recommendations for a griddle for their outdoor kitchen, uh, needing ideas for my patio area, but wanting something nicer than a Blackstone eyeball in the Traeger, Loco, and the new Halo. So do you have any insight on that? Well, so, yeah, the, the, the Weber griddle... Um, I really, really like the way it's cooking. You know, I've, I've had a Blackstone. That was my first, you know, griddle that I ever owned was the Blackstone. And it, there's nothing wrong with the Blackstone. The Blackstone's awesome. I think the Weber, and the Weber's a little bit, a little bit nicer maybe. Uh, it seems to heat up really, really even across it when I've, when I've cooked on it. Um, and it's a little bit, you know, the, the Blackstone's like 36 inches. The Weber's not quite that. I think it's maybe 28 or something like that. It's a little bit smaller, but a lot of times I don't need that full 36 inch cooking area. And I end up with, you know, I'm burning four burners, burning through way more gas where the Weber has three burners. And when I put them all on low, it heats evenly across it. And if you do want a cool zone, you just turn one of them off and you got plenty of cooking surface. So uh, I like the Weber because it comes with the lid. Now the other ones I've seen, you know, I've seen the loco, I've seen the, uh, I know Gorilla makes one. Traeger has one out now. Haven't cooked on any of those, so um, you want? I was talking to somebody other day. It was Karen Wright about um, the Loco cooker. Yeah. She did say that the Loco has like an actual dial temp on it, oh. so like you can set it to three fifty or something like that. But we've never played with one of those. But I just thought that was interesting because most of the time with most of those cookers, like any propane grill, you set it to like either high, medium, or just like circles. A full circle, a quarter circle, a medium, you know, half circle. All right. So I, obviously you guys know this by now, but I do a lot of the managing of the social medias around how to barbecue, right? So I see what you guys say. And I've been seeing a lot, uh, National Barbecue Day, we just passed it. And I've been seeing a lot of uproar that people are upset that it happens during the week at any given time because grilling always happens on the weekend. What? Do, how do you feel about this? National Barbecue Day is every day. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Go ahead, Chelsea, say that. <laughs> National Barbecue Day can be any day if you want it to be. It, yeah, you feel it in your heart. It's always there. If we wanted to standardize it, I would say the third Saturday in May would be a better choice. Then Yeah, it really is. Uh, no, not necessarily. Is it, it's usually the third week. But it's not, yeah, yeah, it is. That's a great day for it. Yeah, but the third Saturday in May would be a great one. Uh, is it? It might be okay. Maybe that's Traeger Day. I don't know, but <laughs> it seems like there's a day for everything. But yesterday, I think so. That would have been the seventeenth. Is actually National Barbecue Day. Is that is that right? 
Oh, it's the 16th? Okay, okay. I think National Brisket Day is coming up, too. There's a lot in May, for sure, like barbecue-related things. <laughs> National Hot Dog Day. <laughs> there is. We definitely have to do a competition on that day. Uh, I just saw today is... Or I saw today is National Don't Do Dirty Dishes Day. Like, no joke. They said it on the radio this morning when you ran in the gas station. July 19th is that the hot dog. Oh, July 19th. It seems like July 4th would be, well, that's something else, yeah. <laughs> what do you do? Just want to pile up? You got to do, so does National do all the dishes day the next uh, day? So if you just let these dishes pile up, if you just let these dishes pile up, what's the next day? National Double Dishes Day. I'll tell you what day. It's Malcolm Day. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd rather throw dishes away and go get new dishes. <laughs> On a uh, Mother's Day, you did cook and did the dishes. You cooked well. <laughs> you. <laughs> and then I said, "So does doing dishes count on Mother's Day?" You said, "Huh? What? What are you talking about? I love you." <laughs> Something to that effect. I, you did. You I did, did go. The dishes. I did the dishes. <laughs> I, did, I did the dishes, and then she came in there and said, "What are you doing? You can't get all those in there like that." And so she went to Tetris and my 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 loading skills on the dishwasher. And I'm pretty amazed by how well she loads the dishwasher. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie; she's much better at it than me. She's got a lot of practice. So so yeah. All right, man. So just tell everybody where they can find us. Um, where are we hanging out? Um, well, we're kind of we're kind of round the hood. Y'all want a couple more questions? Okay. I just know we have a lot going on. We are shooting some TikToks that you guys are going to be able to find and stuff like that. Um, obviously, let's join the Let's Get to Cooking community over on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash H2Q community. But here at Memphis in May, Malcolm, where can they come by and see us in the booth? So we are in the hog division down here at 331 on the south end on the riverside. And uh, Shell's going to be firing up that hot dog machine and getting the nacho cheese warm. And we're going to be smoking some delicious meats. So if anybody's out here, y'all want to stop by and say hello, please do. If you'd like to connect with Malcolm, it's How to BBQ Right on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and of course YouTube. If you'd like to connect with me, it's Miss Southern Shell on Instagram. We gone. <laughs> Way to take it out.